This is History Potpourri, a podcast devoted to an assortment of historical topics by world history students. Hi, I'm Aidan Morenzi, and welcome to my podcast. And today I'll be talking about the Rwandan Civil War and the Rwandan Genocide. So the Civil War started in about 1990, and the genocide was a 100-day period in 1994, from April to about June, um, in which 500,000 to 600,000, mainly Tutsis, were killed. So, um, in the mid-1700s, the Kingdom of Rwanda um, became dominant in the area that we now know as Rwanda, and their ruler, Kigeli Rawubugiri, he expanded the kingdom and he instated some reforms. And these reforms um, made Hutus lower than Tutsis. Those are the two main um, ethnic groups in Rwanda, the Hutus and the Tutsis. So he made Hutus less than Tutsis. And it uh, made forced Hutus into labor for Tutsi chiefs. And they had to do that in order to um, get their land back that was taken from them. So even... Now in the 1700s and 1800s, um, the Tutsis and the Hutus, there was a rift starting to grow between them. And the Germans in the Berlin Conference came and took control of Rwanda. They, they were assigned Rwanda in the Berlin Conference. And they took control of them. And they favored the Tutsis because they looked more like white people. So they deemed them racially superior, which made the tensions even worse. Then during World War I, the Belgians took control of Rwanda and they established a more direct colonial rule, but Tutsis still remained in power in the government and still remained superior and deemed racially superior. And the Belgians even instated identity cards, which um, made it impossible for even wealthy Hutus to gain a better status. So um, in November 1959, after 15 years of of Hutu elites demanding the shift of power from Tutsis to Hutus, Hutus began a series of riots and arsons on Tutsis' home, which sparked the Rwandan revolution throughout the whole country. And with the help of a Belgian colonel, they successfully took over the government and promoted the Hutu elite. They replaced Tutu, Tutsi um, government officials with Hutus and effectively forced the king into exile. So... In 1962, um, Rwanda became independent, and by 1964, more than 336,000 Tutsis had fled Rwanda to escape Hutu purges, because the Hutus came into power, and obviously they were bitter about how they had been treated in the past. So, then Tutsi refugees in the neighboring countries, they all wanted to come back to Rwanda because that was their home. So, some began launching attacks on Rwanda, and they were all unsuccessful, and the groups were coined Inyenzi, or cockroaches. No one knows, what, knows where this term came from, but later, during the genocide, that's what the Hutus would call the Tutsis um, in order to dehumanize them. Um, and the Rwandan government responded to these attacks by killing 10,000 Tutsis in Rwanda. So violence against Tutsis started right away from when Hutus became into power. And in 1973, Juvenal Habyarimana came into power through a military coup. So still Hutu, majority Hutus are in power. And so in the 80s, two Rwandan refugees, Fred uh, Rubigyema and Paul Kagame, rose into power in the Ugandan government. 
and they began using their resources to help their organization, the Rwandan Patriotic Front, or the RPF, with the goal of returning Rwandan refugees to their country no matter what. And so in 1990, this is about when the Civil War started, about 2,500 Rwandan soldiers from the Ugandan army and 800 civilians invaded Rwanda. And in this invasion, uh, Rui Yama was killed. And the Rwandan army got reinforcements from surrounding countries and from France. And so the RPF was pushed back to the, the Ugandan border. And prior to this, anti-Tutsi violence had been uh, on a decrease under the new regime under Habyarimana, but about 8,000 political opponents, mostly Tutsis, were jailed after, after this. So Kagame was in the USA, and so he returned back to find his RPF in shambles. So he took them into um, the Virunga Mountains, and, um, and he kind of got them back together, regrouped, and they launched a guerrilla war. So the RPF and the Rwandan army fought for over a year with neither side getting the upper hand. So peace negotiations went on for about uh, six months. And every time that some kind of agreement was about to be reached that gave Tutsis what they wanted, um, they just slaughtered Tutsis within the country. So Kagame, he responded um, to these killings by pulling out of the peace negotiations and resuming the war in February 1993. And due to lower morale in the Rwandan army and with undisciplined soldiers, the RPF advanced to within 30 kilometers of the capital and they called a ceasefire because he didn't want to look like he was just simply trying to take over the Hutu government and replace it with the Tutsi government. So the RPF negotiated with Habyarimana and um, they agreed to retreat to the territory that they held prior to February when they um, left the peace negotiations and began invading again. And um, so then there's a ceasefire. So now there's no more war. But um, these different, the, the parties that were opposing the RPF including the ruling party under Habyarimana, began to split into moderate wings and Hutu power wings. So the Hutu power movement was a movement that said that Hutus were superior, racially superior, ethnically superior, and just better than Tutsis. And so they said that because of that, they were entitled to massacre Tutsis. So peace negotiations continued and peace was finally reached, but it was an uneasy peace. No one was really happy. Um, and the Hutu power movement was especially unhappy because they believed that the RPF was put into an advent advantageous uh, position. So it's said that at that moment, Hutu extremists began making plans for a, a genocide, but that's not a 100% fact. No one really knows what went on uh, at that time. And so on April 6, 1994, President Habyarimana was in a plane that was landing in Kigali and it was shot down, killing all the passengers. And no one knows who really did it, but both the RPF and Hutu extremists uh, who opposed Habyarimana have been blamed for it. And so immediately, Tutsi and moderate Hutu government officials were killed to prevent them gaining any power in this new power vacuum. And within a few hours of this, large-scale killings of Tutsis began. And a crisis committee took over Rwanda, um, which was a Hutu power group, 
and they immediately began giving orders for everyone to kill all Tutsis, not, not even sparing infants. And the goal was to eradicate all Tutsis in Rwanda. So then um, civilians since 1990 had been armed with weapons like machetes, um, and they began training Hutu youth in combat, which originally they said was a program of defense against the so-called RPF threat. And these youths were called the Interahamwe. And so in urban areas, roadblocks were set up by the military and the Interahamwe, where everyone was required to show their ID card. So anyone with a Tutsi ID card was immediately killed. And Hutus who were deemed to be sympathetic to the Tutsis or have a Tutsi-like appearance were also killed. And uh, Tutsi homes were looted and burned and residents were killed. In rural areas, all the neighbors knew each other. So it was easy for them to just... Uh, you know, find their Tutsi neighbors and kill them. And ordinary citizens were ordered to help kill. And there's a quote that says, you were either in the genocide or you were helping to do the genocide. Because ordinary citizens were ordered to help kill. And if they refused, they were often killed right there. And the RPF, after they said they'd be in fighting again if the killings didn't stop. And after one day of killings, they began taking territory back. So they quickly recovered the northern part of Rwanda and um, stopping the killings in each area that they conquered. And they took Kigali on July 4th, 1994. So about 100 days after the genocide began, the RPF took control of the rest of the country, ending the genocide. And July 4th is now a national holiday in Rwanda known as Liberation Day. So in genocide, uh, between 500,000 and 662,000 people were killed in genocide with 994% of them being Tutsis. So that means about two-thirds of the Tutsi population Rwanda, in Rwanda was murdered, and most were killed uh, with machetes. There are about 400,000 orphans left at the end of this, with 85,000 of them being forced to take over as the head of their family, even if they were young. And between 250,000 and 500,000 women were raped, with many of the survivors being mutilated or contracting HIV. And Paul Kagame assumed control after the RPF victory, and he's still president to this day. Around 2 million Hutus fled the country to refugee camps uh, in neighboring countries, particularly Zaire, which is now known as the Democratic Republic of Congo. And so the the country's uh, infrastructure and economy was was suffered a lot during the genocide. And uh, Kagame started rebuilding, starting with a policy of, of mass arrests for people who participated in the genocide. So around 100,000 people were arrested in the two years after the genocide, and they were stuffed into 19 prisons that were supposed to only hold about 18,000 people. And Kagame, he really was trying to portray his government as being inclusive and not Tutsi-dominated to prevent any conflict from happening. And the high-profile government and officials were tried in the International Criminal Tribunal for Rwanda. And while the government... The Rwandan government tried lower-level officials and other people. Even uh, just as recent as 2020, um, Felician Kabuga, the main financer of the genocide, was arrested in 2020 after 23 years on the run. And so still to this day, the genocide affects Rwanda. My dad survived the genocide when he was just 13 years old. Him and his family fled Rwanda, and they lived in Uganda until his family thought it was safe to go back. And many friends of my dad and, and people who go to my church lived through the exact same thing. And I know people who lost their whole families in the genocide. And some people can't even remember what their parents look like anymore. 
And in Rwanda, you still aren't supposed to tell anyone if you're Hutu or Tutsi because, you know, you never know what might happen. And the Rwandan genocide was a terrible tragedy that split families apart and left many people scarred. So thank you for tuning in to my podcast today. Today, we learned about the Rwandan genocide. Thank you.